Hello, everybody. This is the Uplift Podcast with your host, Nathan Beeler. Today, I have a very well-known guest that I've known for a very long time, been friends with for as long as I can remember, and his name is Buddy Cooper. Thank you for joining me today, Buddy Cooper. Uh, Well, first off, let me say thank you for allowing me to be here with you, and I give you honor for letting me be able to speak to the all your, what do they call them, potties on your podcast? I have no, I, so. I think they're just listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> listeners, potties, whatever you want to call them. But whatever I, they're called. I give you honor for allowing me to be able to it's open this up with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Honored. My pleasure. So this podcast, as everyone knows from episode zero, is a podcast for for me to bring on somebody who has a testimony that can share with everyone that might be able to help somebody go through a rough time that they may be seeing right now. And if I know anybody has been through quite a bit, it's Brother Buddy Cooper I have over <laughs> here with me. <clears throat> so I'm going to give the floor to you, and uh, I'll ask you some questions throughout, and we're just going to go that cat. That'll work. Uh, so let me open up with, now it's been almost 11 years since the accident that I'm going to talk about, or incident that I'm going to talk about. Real quick, it how is- long have you been in church? Uh, well, I, I was born in this church. Born in this luckily church. Luckily enough, yeah. My mom and dad, when I, well, I say born. I think I was like three months, six months old, something like that. But mm. I've grown up here. And uh, when, you know, each baby dedication, when Bishop talks about how important it's going to be when that child becomes a teenager and starts getting their own ideas, getting their own. Um, for lack of a better term, rebellious heart. It's how important it is for them to have a praying father, a church, and above all, a pastor. Amen. Because that has proven so true in my life because I've trusted Bishop through everything. Even when, later on, when I'm talking about my testimony and how I was running from God, I called Bishop to get affirmation from him just because I wanted that affirmation. But Bishop was wise enough to still be keyed into God's will, not my will. And he steered me and said, buddy, that's not the right decision. Mm. Because he knew I was running just like I knew I was running. And he wasn't going to bend at the whim of, I wanted him to Tell let me nice know. Things. Yeah, I wanted him to... <laughs> Just pat me on the back and be like, oh, well, even though you're running from God, you're still going to be all right. Yeah. He could have said that, but instead what he did was, nobody, that's not the right decision. I've been praying about this, too, because you asked me to pray with you about it. I've been praying about it, and I know what God's telling me and what you're seeking after are not the same thing. Mm. And, But getting back to, I've been here my whole life. Bishop's one of the forerunners in my life of being able to speak into my life. Uh, I give honor to him tonight, too, because he's uh, what a man of God that we have in our lives, that we're lucky enough to have in our lives. Absolutely. And I I don't ever want to get to the point where I take his influence and the relationship that I have with him for granted. Mm. Because not only does he know my name, he knows my whole life. Yeah. You know, I grew up with his son. I spent the night at his house. He 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 knows me probably through his relationship with God. <laughs> he he knows some of my flaws better than I do. Yeah. You know, because he's had to correct some of them. He's had to be the one to relay to me, "Hey, I know you're partaking in something. Steer clear of that." Yeah. Or steer clear of that friendship that friendship's not going to be a good one mm. but it that's a testimony <laughs> yeah and I don't, I don't ever want i don't ever want to take for granted what what beautiful relationship i have with my bishop and with pastor scott because you know pastor scott taught me how to do some things on fishing that i never would have learned mm. but 
because I got to spend time with him, personal time with him. It's it's something that's spectacular. Yeah, I can't take away from it. Just it's something that I never want to lose. And I mean, not everybody's lucky enough to have that close of a, of a relationship with the man of God in their life. But if if those of you that are listening are able to have that type of relationship, please take my advice of not ever taking it for granted because when they speak into your life, listen, especially when you can trust their prayer life again and again and again because that advice is coming straight from God when you know that you can trust their prayer life just like you can yours. So yeah. so you started off at 11 years ago? Yeah, so 11 years ago, um, February 17th of 2010, I got into an incident. I don't want to call it an accident anymore because God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. <laughs> he, uh, I was running, and it was the third time I ran from him. He said, hey, feed my sheep. And I was like, nope, I'm doing what I want to do. And I just disregarded him the second time he said hey feed my sheep I said I'm gonna move away so I caused trouble here in my hometown of Wichita and I caused a rift between me and my and my parents who I was living with and I caused it I know I caused it but I chose to use that as an excuse to move away completely. So I moved to Amesbury, Massachusetts. And I love Amesbury, Massachusetts. It's <laughs> where my aunt and uncle live. And uh, I've visited multiple times. But not only did I... I thought that it was going to be a sanctuary of sin. Mm. That, that way I didn't have to focus on God's will. Yeah. You know? You didn't think God was going to chase you there. Yeah. Because as... Uh, godless is of a society as Massachusetts is it's it's very limited influence from religious aspects mm. you know and that may have been an influence of why I chose to move there because they offered a free bed and I said yeah I'm taking it mm-hmm. and when I got there nothing really worked out you know I couldn't get a job I tried to apply multiple places um, but I, I could never get something that stuck I went to one interview as to be a server and uh, I thought you know this can be a placeholder job until I get something else and um, the lady in the interview actually said you're from Kansas and I said yes ma'am I am and she said uh, you you talk real nice and I was like uh, <laughs> thank you and you know, I said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And because I talked nice, she was like, I don't think you'll get through to people here. And I was like, well, ma'am, I don't really know what that, I don't know, I don't know what that means. You know, you just want me to be more crass? You want me to be <laughs> rude? And she's like, well, people around here, you know, they respond a little bit different. If you're too nice, they'll just take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I thought that meant that, you know, I would get the job and then be able to, plant roots there but that wasn't the way God had it planned so I didn't get the job needless to say I patched things up with my mom and dad because you know they were the prayer warriors in my life since I was born so they were praying that I would come home they came up to visit me and they're like hey you know your bed's still there you know your room's still there and you know our church is still there just come on back I was like, okay, I hear you. Hear you loud and clear. I'll come on back. So I moved back to Kansas. That was in early July of 2009. And power pack service. As soon as I came back, it was a power pack service. And uh, I felt the call again. You know, I God said, feed my sheep. And I'm like, you know what? No, I got to find something else. So I scrambled. You know, I was like, what can I do? What can I do for... And so I scrambled from July to December. And I'm like, look, I got to do something. I got to get... I got to get in somewhere to get out of here. Mm. You know? What do you think he meant when he would tell you to... Well, I, I think feed my sheep means do everything I possibly can to show everybody else 
exactly what Jesus has for them. Mm. The freedom that is in Jesus is unlike anything else. The overall content that you get when you release your own will and give over to Jesus because everything's easy. Mm-hmm. I, I know everybody everybody thinks that uh, it's it's not going to be living a Christian lifestyle is not going to be sunflowers, lollipops, and rainbows. Never is. <laughs> but what it is when you can trust in everything that you're going through is working for your betterment mm-hmm. and working for your refinement. You can trust in that faith because it's moving you forward in a process mm-hmm. that otherwise would have been terrible. If you were being unable to rely on Jesus through that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times uh, when someone goes through something like when I lost my dad, um, my dad was possibly one of my best friends. And I say possibly because even though thick and thin, we argued sometimes, but I always looked up to his opinion. I always looked forward to being able to spend, even if it was a couple minutes with him, I was looking forward to it. And with when I lost him, it made it to where I hurt. Like, I physically hurt because I had lost my best friend, mm-hmm. you know? And when people who choose to self-medicate or people choose to try to fill that hole that's left by a, a lost loved one, whether they choose to fill it with alcohol or whether they choose to fill it with some sort of you know benzodiazepine or Xanax or they, they are trying, trying to choose not to feel that when, in my personal opinion, the importance is to feel that hurt and realize you can lean on Jesus mm-hmm. because he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He, he can comfort you when nothing else can. And losing my dad made it to where I was so crushed at that time that I wanted to push everybody else away. I wanted to push them away including my wife and soon-to-be daughter, because we hadn't had her yet, but I was tentative on building a relationship with my daughter because of the fact that I didn't, if, you know, if that were to happen to where I would lose her, Mm -hmm. or how much more would it crush me, Right. you know? Yeah. But I didn't, I I chose to rely on Jesus and lean into him because his shoulders are broad, yeah, you know, and he'll meet everything. His word will meet everything with a kind rebuke if mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Or if you're lost, he shows you the way straight away with the word. He walks you step by step through something, like grief especially, that you may not have the answers to right away. But now, it being four years out, I know how to handle grief in my own life. Mm-hmm. So when someone else goes through grief, I can I don't have to use words. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have to fill the air with needless statements. Yeah. Because a lot of that will happen when you lose somebody. Mm-hmm. Not knowing not the other person not knowing what to say. Exactly. Not knowing so, how to be a better comfort for you. Yeah, and so when, when someone comes up to... to I, I, I actually, when I lost my dad, I didn't want to come back to church right away because I knew that how big of an influence my dad had on a lot of people here, I knew that people would approach me and say, hey, I'm so sorry, your yeah. dad's dead. Yeah. You know, like they wouldn't have said it that harshly, mm-hmm. but all I would have heard was, Hey, uh, I wanted to remind you again that you yeah. lost your dad. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wanted to remind you that your dad's dead and he's not coming back. Hey, I wanted to remind you that uh, remember those things that you had planned later this year with your dad? You won't get those things. Right. 
that, that those weren't the words they were choosing to say. And they those were no, just and that wasn't their intention. Right, exactly. That, that's because just of the what state I heard. that you were in, yeah. that's exactly what you would hear. Because my grief was blocking everything. Right. That's all I heard. None of it was, you know, everybody, hey, if you need anything, just call. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you need anything, I'm right here. Just t- if you need to talk, come talk. If you need to go bowling, one person said, um, hey, if you want to just go throw a bowling ball down the lane, you know, call me. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, I realized he was, he didn't know exactly what to say, but he said what he knew him and I had shared once, you mm-hmm. know? So that's all it needed. Now looking back, I'm like, that was, and I took him up on it, by the way. So <laughs> just that, that being able to, to do that, it made it to where I could trust in him later on too, mm-hmm. you know? And now when using that, uh, that hurt or remembering what that hurt felt, felt like, or feels like, if I can use that instance to help somebody else in the body of Christ that's going through a similar situation, I now know how that feels. Yeah. I can empathize with them rather than just giving them sympathy. Mm-hmm. Because empathy is exponentially better when it comes to relating to something. Yeah. And having that direct experience. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's pretty wonderful how the church body is because you never realize how much of a family we are until you lose a family member Mm -hmm. or until you go through something like the miscarriages that me and my wife went through those I can only imagine how hard it was on my wife because I know how hard it was on me Mm -hmm. it like put a punch in my gut that I was never expecting Mm -hmm. and it made me feel as if no one was listening it made me feel as if because it was completely out of my control yeah I felt helpless that's the hard part and that's where you can learn to lean on him and know and trust that it's going to work out for mm-hmm. your better. When Kara and I went through a miscarriage, we were able to help another family in the church that went through one after we went through one of our own. And just like Vanessa and Scott, they helped us through ours because they went through one of their own. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to realize that the stepping stones in our own life that we go through aren't just there to build our faith, but they're there to build our faith in order for us to use it to help someone else build their faith when they go through something similar. It doesn't like, have to be the exact same thing, but just similar. I feel similar. the exact same way. I yeah. feel like I feel like the path, the path that you take was meant for you, but the steps that you are going through will be followed by somebody else. Yep. If they if they can if you can turn around and say, "Hey, this is how I was able to deal with it mm-hmm. and this is how I'm not saying you should deal with it, but I know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. And that's very helpful, I think. And one cool thing was, you know, getting back to the 11 years ago, or about to be 11 years ago, I was running from God. I knew I was running. I signed up for the Navy. I knew that a sailor lifestyle is not always upright and holy. (laughs) And... Because I knew that, you know, they don't get the term cuss like a sailor because he has holiness in his mouth, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I was practicing and I was, you know, making it it to where I knew all the words Mm. that I needed to say. But (laughs) I knew that I didn't have to, I would not have to try hard at anything Mm -hmm. godly wise. Because if I was in that sailor role, I knew I wouldn't have to, you know, witness to my fellow sailors. Yeah. Unless I chose to. But I knew I could put it all behind me or so I thought. Just like I assume 
when Jonah was like, you know what? I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to do my own thing and go in the opposite direction. Jonah, Jonah knew he was disobeying God's direct order. He didn't realize what was going to happen afterwards to get him on or back on to the right track. Mm-hmm. And nor did I. So because I chose to willingly run away from the call of God, to willingly run away from the will of God, I had no idea the repercussions of that decision, you know, especially when it was my own stupidity that got me up onto the train in the first place, Mm. you know? So talking talking about the accident. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of the incident that (laughs) caused my downfall, I'll call it. Uh, so pun intended. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I have, uh, I have brothers, or they're not blood brothers, but we grew up together. So we, there's the closest thing that I have to brothers as I can ever imagine. And I was leaving Denny's after 11 o'clock, after curfew. Mandated by Bishop. Right. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. so everybody's clear. <laughs> oh, that. yeah. Bring it over to the same page. <laughs> yes. Uh, after our 11 o'clock curfew, I was out past that. And we were driving home. We were nowhere to go. I was two weeks out from leaving for the Navy. I had recently left my job and was going to coast on the money that I had saved up for it or for me knowing that I was leaving for the Navy. Uh, And I was just going to spend two weeks with my family before I left. It was going to be awesome. And so we're on our way home from Denny's. We stop at a train. We make the impeccably smart decision to get onto that train. We mess around. We jump from one car to the other. We get down. We get back into the truck. Safe and sound. Then the, tr- the train backs up, <laughs> and we get another brilliant idea to get back on the train. So we get back on the train, and from the top of the train, I don't really know the events leading up to it. I just know we got back up on the top of the train, and uh, I fell off. So I... Fell off the top of a train car, which was 20 feet high. I fell down 22 feet total onto a spare rail and large boulders. And my face struck the rail. So my face was the first to make impact on the ground against that spare rail. And so that's not a good thing. (laughs) Uh, Well... You know, you accelerate I mean, quite quickly when you're falling off of a train yeah, or anything. At 20 feet? You know? Yeah. <laughs> 9.8 feet per second rate of acceleration for gravity. Hey, so you fall fast. Even though you, you landed on his face, you still yeah. got married. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But boy, did I marry up. You know, she looked past that hideousness and said, you know, he's got something going for him. I don't know what it is yet, but... We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out together. And so laying there and... A pile of my own blood, I died for 10 minutes and 8 seconds. And the first call my brother made was to one of our other brothers. And he said, hey, start praying. Buddy's dead. And he wasn't lying or he wasn't stretching the truth. He wasn't exaggerating. I was dead in his lap. And that prayer wheel that started right then was in my opinion, the reason that I'm still here talking to you on this podcast today because those prayers were moving things, moving pieces into place before the doctors knew what were what was all wrong. So the ambulance showed up and they were on the wrong side of the tracks and the train was still there because dispatch had to stop the train Everything was working against me at this point. The, tri- the ambulance had to go all the way back around to get to me. They got to me. They said he's not going to make it to the hospital. But because of those prayers, because of God's plan, I made it to the hospital. They said, well, he's not going to make it through the night. I made it through the night once again because of the prayers of my family and the body of Christ. Because... I know that 
so-and-so called so-and-so, so-and-so mm-hmm. then called so-and-so yeah. and so-and-so. The chain you know, reaction. Exactly. That domino effect of those prayers were what saved my life. Jesus heard those prayers and said, you know what? I've got a plan for him. He needs to be where he needs to be, where I need him to be. And I made it through the night. So when I made it through the night, the doctor said he's going to have brain damage so severely that more than likely he'll be in a vegetative state. And on day two, I was playing Jeopardy with my dad. Him and I played, or him and I watched Jeopardy every day. And so the doctor came in and said, uh, well, you know, what's going on in here? And I answered one of the questions correctly while the doctor was in there. Mm-hmm. And he said, how long has this been happening? And my dad, because we've played every day, my dad's like, well, today he's not doing too bad. He's He's had better days, you know, but he's still getting them right. And the doctor's like, well, I'll, I'll be back. So he went and got <laughs> the whole team. And they saw that they, or they witnessed firsthand with their own eyes and ears that even though I couldn't open my eyes, even though my eyes were still swollen shut, I still had enough brain function to compete at Jeopardy or Which to is be able to pop culture type of game almost. Yeah, yeah. And knowledge based quiz show. Yeah. And so with with that, that started, I believe, influencing those doctors of look what God can do. Mm-hmm. Because one of the doctors made a comment and right after or during while Jeopardy was still going on that um, he's like, I've never seen anything like this. And my dad said, well, you've never seen prayer like this. So my dad was even even then my dad was being a witness to Mm -hmm. the awesome power of Jesus Christ because of his healing power. You know, he 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 didn't take anything away from it. He didn't take anything away from what the doctors were doing. He gave them credit for what they were doing, but he wanted those doctors to know, hey, there's another hand you in didn't, here. You didn't make my son come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. You didn't do this. The power of Christ <clears throat> did. You know, and I, I still think I look back at that, and I, I know my dad was a soft-spoken man, so he was very meek, but his answers were always, you know, straight to the point. Mm-hmm. And so he. Uh, he didn't have to use a whole lot of words to tell him, hey, you've got your skill set, but my Savior has his own skill set. Exactly. You know, has has all the skill set. <laughs> <laughs> Years and then some. So once I woke up, once I was able to, you know, communicate, they realized that my arm had suffered a massive injury as well called a brachial plexus severance injury. Can I, I interrupt really quick? He only ahead. knows that because he's a nurse right now. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Um, like, I have no idea what he's talking about, so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to learn something, too, here with him. With, yeah. all of, with all of you, I'm about to learn what this is. So a brachial plexus injury is there's a bundle of nerves in the... the um, I'll use as many layman terms as I can. Thank the you. Front, <laughs> the front part of your shoulder. Uh, so your pec muscle attaches to your clavicle. And your humerus, and so the upper arm bone and your collarbone. And so right behind that is a brachial plexus. A plexus just means a convergence or a network of nerves. So your brachial plexus sprouts nerves off into your arm and into your chest and into your back. Well, because I injured that brachial plexus on my right side, a brachial plexus a brachial plexus severance means that I severed nerves. I completely cut the nerves in half that fed my right bicep, my right deltoid, and two muscles called infra and supraspinatus. They're the ones that lay above and below your shoulder blade. So they have their own function when you're moving your arm. And when I severed those nerves, I completely lost function of those muscles. So your deltoid is responsible for lifting your arm up and your bicep is responsible for bending your arm. So I completely lost the function of my right upper arm altogether when trying to move it independently. Um, I could control my tricep, which meant that I could straighten my right arm and I could still have function in my hand, but 
one of the top orthopedic surgeons in Wichita after seeing me directly from the hospital said, okay, we're going to have to give it six months to see what your body is able to recover. Mm. And then at the end of that six months, we're going to be able to make a decision of where we're wanting to go. So I met with him at month five. I met with him and him and, uh, or he was, he walked into the room with me and my dad in it and he said, okay, it looks like we're going to have to amputate your arm because your function's not coming back. The tests we ran have, you failed all of them and we're going to have to cut your arm off. That's the first thing he said as he came in the room. Jeez. So, and I said, uh, no, sir, I serve a God better than that. Mm. And he slammed my chart, said, yeah, good. I'm just a doctor. Threw it on the counter and then stormed out of the room. And me and my dad sat there in bewilderment, like, uh, are we waiting for him to come back? Or <laughs> So we, we stayed there for about five minutes, and then the nurse came in and was like, oh, you guys are still here? Um, uh, doctor, and I'll leave his name out, um, he, he said that your appointment's over. And we're like, okay. So God opened up doors. God made it to where that door with that doctor closed in order for my personal physician to be able to do hard work and get to where he needed to get to in my care to find a surgeon in Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. That had pioneered a surgery called fascicular nerve transfer. So I had to go meet her. He, my, my personal uh, physician, his name's Lyle Price, and I'm giving a shout out to him. I don't know if he'll ever hear this, but he did his due diligence through our prayers and his prayers, found that doctor in St. Louis, called her specifically, said, hey, I have this case. Would you take this case on? And she said, why hasn't he come to me sooner? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so my mom and I had flown to Boston after meeting with that first surgeon that wanted to cut my arm off. My mom was like, Hey, let's, let's get out of here. Let's, let's Mm. go spend some time and reflect, you know? So we went to Boston to meet all of her family and spend some time with them. And, uh, while I was in Boston, because, because my personal physician, Lyle Price had done all the footwork did everything, all the steps that he took to make it to where that surgeon said what she said and said, why hasn't he come see me yet? He called my mom, said, hey, this is what I found. This is what needs to happen. He needs to get to her as quickly as possible. Mm. And I flew from Boston to St. Louis. My dad drove from Wichita to St. Louis to pick me up from the airport and drive me to this surgeon. And she said, look, we have a six-month window. Luckily, I had met with that other surgeon at month five rather than at month six because I would have been outside of my window. Mm. But like I said, God had put steps into place because of the prayers of this church body, because of the prayers of my family, and because of my own prayers that he put these steps into place long before I knew that we needed those Mm. steps to be in place. And I get to St. Louis. She says, I, I got there on a Wednesday and or a Tuesday evening. And she said, your surgery is Friday. Make sure to check in uh, Friday morning at 6 a.m. And I'm like, this, this Friday? That's quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like I said, everything had to be in place already because the appointment was there. Mm-hmm. At, you know, or that appointment was free. I guess for me to be able to partake in it, but everything she was, she completed three surgeries on my body and, um, there, each one of them was called a double fascicular nerve transfer. She took nerve that ran the muscle in my forearm. She cut it in half, used half to run my forearm and half to run my bicep. So now my brain has to recircuit Mm, all those nerves. Yeah, re relearn that my forearm muscle is controlling my bicep now. Mm. So I have to 
I have to, or I had to, after the surgeries, learn to adapt. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things I think in Christianity or my own walk, I've had to have to, or I had to learn to adapt because everything around us, especially right now in this political season, everything's going to attack our Christianity. Yeah. Everything's going to attack our belief system. Everything's going to attack our, what they're going to call, closed-mindedness. Mm-hmm. That closed-mindedness is what's going to keep us saved. Absolutely. That closed-mindedness is what's going to make us rely on this word rather than the lying falsities of a politician. Yeah, or, you know? or their feelings. <laughs> right, exactly. And so through all that, through my body learning to adapt to control the muscles that I now have full control of, I just want to remind the devil how much he lost. You know, I Amen. I want to remind the devil, hey, you were going to take my arm. You were going to lead me away from God's will. You were going to do everything you could to make me die at the mm-hmm. bottom of that train car. But look what God has done. Absolutely. Look what God has pulled me out of. Look what Jesus has healed my hand, healed my arm, healed my shoulder, healed my back. <laughs> hey, devil, you lost. Yeah, exactly. And Amen to that. He, you know, he, he, at that time, going through each one of those things, you go through very dark times. You go through very... Um, when it's just you and your thoughts in a room, your thoughts can tear you down really easily. Absolutely. When you overthink something, when you focus on the negative of a situation, it does you no good. Mm-hmm. It it pulls you down further into that darkness. When were there any scriptures that you could reflect on with us? I'll I'll be honest with you, man. I. Yes. Um, I put weight in gold in Romans 8.28. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that that scripture, even when we're in those dark times, we can trust in that one scripture to know he's pulling us out. Yeah. He's going to make that dark, tumultuous time, it will have meaning. Mm-hmm. We will see that meaning. It might, I, I can tell you right off, when you're in the middle of that darkness, you may not know why you're in that darkness at that time. Even when it was my own decisions, I knew. I knew why I was in that darkness. I knew why I was in writhing pain day after day after day. Mm-hmm. I knew why. Because I had chosen to get up on that train. Yeah. I knew why I was being able to sleep like an hour or two per 24 hour period. Yeah. I knew I knew why because it was my own stupidity. Owning it and taking responsibility for it was different. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing it and letting your thoughts know and never <laughs> saying it out loud. Yeah. is something that's a whole lot different than when you're laying there in your own self-pity, mm-hmm. in your own woe is me story it's so much easier to blame god to say you're the reason i'm here yeah Mm -hmm. because i know what you did to job yeah i know i know i know you okayed it to job or i know you okayed it to be done to job so i know you had to okay this to be done to me Mm -hmm. so it's your fault god yeah even though it furthest from the truth (laughs) you know it's i chose to do every one of those steps to get me into that negative situation or to get me into the predicament that I was already in yeah. 
But when you're laying there by yourself, you're alone, you're in pain, you can't do anything but... uh, In those groanings, all you have to do is come to that place of humility where you can ask Jesus right now I need you mm-hmm. once you say those words you'll you'll feel him come to you oh, yeah. you'll feel him come to your side you'll feel him come to your aid if you can get past the pride if you can get past the narcissistic attitude of this only happened to me because Jesus let it happen to me. Mm-hmm. Putting that aside, coming to that meek and humble approach, Jesus, I need you right now. Yeah. Jesus, I need you. I think there's a lot of people that miss out on the uh, opportunity to get to that place because either they get stuck in the idea that, yeah, it is God's fault that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, he allowed this to happen to me. They get stuck in that place and they're not able to to, to take the steps they need to to move forward past that. They get stuck in a rut. Very much so. <clears throat> and, and I think it can happen quickly, and I, I'm afraid it happens far too often. Unfortunately, sometimes those hang-ups of not, not fully grasping their own responsibility in it, mm-hmm. in it's, it's a whole lot easier to blame God. That it way is. you don't have to take responsibility for anything. Mm-hmm. But they will come so much further in their walk with Jesus as well as their faith in their walk with Jesus when they can come to that realization of this is my fault. But even though it's my fault, Jesus can still work it for my good. Absolutely. Because his word tells me so. Looking back on it, um, what is one thing, and this isn't necessarily for everyone or anyone who specifically goes through an injury to get to that place. I mean, this can happen in a, in a myriad of different ways. Your yeah. life could spiral out of control in a yeah. car accident or, or like you, like when, you're, when your dad passed away, yep. you, can, you can fall into that trap of, of, of not, I'm not knowing how to get out of that rut of blaming God. And maybe, and maybe you're, maybe you're listening right now and you're in a place and, and you don't want to get out. Yeah. You're, 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 you're angry and you're mad and you want someone to blame. Um, looking back on it now, buddy, what do, what do you think you could offer someone who might be going through something similar in a, in, in that, in that darkness that they're feeling? I, there's no way out and, or, or I don't want to get out or, I'm mad, I'm angry at God. I'm mad at God for letting this even get close to me. Like this wasn't supposed to happen to me. This is supposed to be for someone who who was maybe in a situation you're in because this happens yeah. to everybody. This isn't specifically for someone who isn't in God's will. If I was going to say one just one thing, if you're going to blame God, God's shoulders are broad enough to handle what you blame him for. But talk to him about everything. Talk to him anyway. Talk to him. Let him know how angry you are. Even if at that point you're hating him. Mm -hmm. He still loves you to the point of listening to each and every one of your words of hate. He still loves you to the point of holding you even when you're mad at him. That's really good. I think people miss that. There's that, you know, that, uh, I guess it's a poem maybe, picture of uh, two sets of footprints and then one set of footprints and Jesus states, you know, that was what, when I was carrying you. Mm-hmm. Even in your lowest point, even in that darkest of the dark, when you cannot see light out of the situation that you're in, your relationship with God is going to grow so much 
if you just talk to them. Talk to them day after day, even even when you're mad. Especially when you're mad. Especially when you're mad. If you're angry, that's the best time to let God, God know. God, why did you do this to me? God, mm-hmm. why, God, why am I going through this pain? God, why am I in this day after day? Why am I here? Why, why would you let this happen? I'm supposed to be your kid. Yeah. I'm supposed to be the one you love. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be the one that right now is holding his hands high, but I can't even lift my hand. It's, it's funny. I, I used to... Bishop always says, let's lift our hands. You know, it, whether it's closing a service or whether it's at the beginning in the praise mm-hmm. service. And he says... Let's lift our hands to give God glory. When my arm was hanging at my side because I, I could imagine. do nothing, yeah. I could I I would sit there and grit my infuriated. teeth and move, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. It was completely out of my control, and it was part of me. It was my own arm, and I couldn't do anything to move it. Mm-hmm. But what did you do instead? It hurt me every time... Bishop said, let's raise our hands. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't raise that arm on its own. Mm-hmm. So I would grab it by the wrist and I'd pull it above my head. I'm glad you said that because I don't think maybe you don't realize how much of an inspiration was <laughs> that was for everyone that could even glimpse you. Yeah, Everyone around you knew that you couldn't move that arm. You had to shake left-handed for how long? Yeah, uh, <laughs> because good, you literally couldn't hold your half. hand out. Yeah, you could yeah. not hold your hand out there to even shake somebody's hand. Yeah, and give them a strong handshake. You had to shake them with your left hand, and you got good at it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you got very yeah. good at it. But that was such an inspiration. I think that that need that part of I'm not going to let this stop me. Yep. I'm going to. Bishop said we need to raise our hands, so I'm going to raise my hands. That part was not just for your benefit. That was for everyone that was around you because wow. they could see that you're in a state of pain, that you're in a place of, that you sh- should you even be at church with how much pain you're in? Should you even be standing? Why He's praising God and he can't even lift his hand. Yeah. Why am I not? <laughs> right. What's stopping me from lifting my hands right now? Buddy Cooper's arm is stopping him from lifting his hand right now, but he's doing it anyway yeah. in, a, in, a, in an unceremonious fashion. Right. I have both my hands that I can lift. Sure. What's holding me back? Man, I when can I, feel the Holy Ghost right now. It's crazy. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I would stand behind you, and I, it made me mad at myself to know that, dang, Buddy's up there praising God. He's up at the front praising God with a bummed up arm and here I am with four limbs that work and I'm just sitting here. It made me mad at myself and uh, like I said, I don't think you understand how much of an inspiration you were for everyone that was around you knowing that you could could go through all of what you went through. You're here Mm -hmm. and you're praising God. Yeah. That, that, that in (laughs) itself I think was, was very powerful and I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to bring it up but then you brought it up well, thank you. On your own, and I had to, I had to be able to say something to it <laughs> because <laughs> I appreciate it, was, it. It was inspiring for sure. I, I know that um, one thing that from that, or I, I will never fully know the extent of what my miracle, the influence that it has on others. Thank you, by the way, for letting me know of your insight <laughs> on it. Um, I, I would have I would have never connected those dots because all I know is from you my do- perspective you were doing it for you I right I was trying to make sure that the devil knew that I wasn't going to be defeated yeah you were doing it for you but you didn't know that you were touching everyone around you with it exactly I that that's makes it even better huh? <laughs> it wow yeah it touches it touches my spirit to know that when I, I was excited, the very first time I got to testify about it, I called all of my family back in Boston. Mm. And I said, hey, I want you guys to watch this. I want you guys to be able to be a part of it and praise with me. Because look what look what Jesus has done for my life. Right. They, they 
came when they got the call about the accident they flew in from boston expecting to attend a, fun- a funeral mm-hmm. they flew into boston to support my mom they flew into boston to support my family through this time of loss is what yeah. they were expecting they were expecting me to not leave the hospital except for in a body bag or except for in a uh, what is it coffin yeah so knowing that the memories after that that we got to share you know like my cousin's graduations mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I mean that's crazy yeah. I, I got to attend those graduations with or my cousin got, uh, another one of my cousins got married I was able to go to her wedding when and not just be a, a yeah a, 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 yeah a filled in seat you were able <laughs> yeah, to participate exactly. <laughs> I was able to Interact share those everyone. memories or create new memories when I wasn't supposed to be here right when if it was if I would have followed my will and Jesus would have not stepped in I would have brought around my own death because of my stupidity but because of how important I was to him because and I'm not special each and every one of us are just as important to him as the people around you. Yeah. It's his love for me was so spectacular when I felt it for the first time after my accident, I realized all the love that went into that. He was just pulling me back into his fold. He was pulling me to to draw closer to him because I was willing to run away from it the three times that he told me to. Right. It's, it's, it, it's incredible for sure. Very much so. <laughs> and it's hard to put into words. There, the, the shepherds, bygone, bygone era of shepherds, they would roam with that shepherd's crook mm-hmm. and their sheep around them. They were walking constantly with their sheep. Um, if a sheep continued to wander off, a specific sheep would, that same one would just keep wandering off. One of the tactics, I'll call it, the shepherd would use that shepherd's crook to break the leg of that lamb or to break the leg of that sheep. And he would then splint it. He would then fix the leg and then physically carry that sheep on his shoulders everywhere until that lamb's leg was completely healed. Mm -hmm. The lesson that that lamb would learn is how important it is to stay right next to that shepherd. How important it is to not get out of sight of that shepherd. Mm -hmm. How important it is to remember and see exactly where that shepherd is when... I'm eating this grass. Yeah. He knew and he formed a relationship with that shepherd because he knew that shepherd was there to keep him safe. I think saints that come in to the church or that are born into it like me take it for granted how close we are to Jesus in a service like power packed church house like we have. Mm-hmm. You know, the there isn't a service that we have that the Spirit of God doesn't move. And that's spectacular. Absolutely. But it's because of the prayers and the praise that we have in this place. Absolutely. It's because of the steps and the, the actions of our founding fathers of this church that allow us to be able to have access to that each and every service after service after service after service. Mm-hmm. We... I, I don't want to be a sheep that... continuously takes that for granted and then continues to walk away. Yeah. Because I was when I was younger. Now that I've gone through this incident and this growing experience, I don't ever want to be out of the will of God again. Mm -hmm. Not because... (laughs) Because it is a painful place to be. It is a painful place to be. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say that, you know, it's not always going to be... Exactly. It's not always going to be losing... Losing the operation of a limb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How God grabs your attention. That's just uh, what specifically Buddy Cooper needed <laughs> exactly. in that moment. <laughs> he needed to rock my world in order in a way that in a, in, in a way that you couldn't world. even leave. Yeah, like 
You had a yeah. you, you were leaving. Yeah, he, I was joining the Navy. I was signed up. And you were going to come back. the Navy dropped me like a box of rocks when I couldn't control exactly. my arm. Exactly. You know? But that's what Buddy Cooper needed. Yep. We all go through our own... Ordeals. We all go through our own... Exactly. <laughs> ordeals. We all go through our own hard times and hardships and, and times where, you know, if we're not right where we need to be, we get that correction. And it's not to make us hate God or, or, or be more mad at God or anything like that. There's... And I think that's the whole point of this podcast is, and what it's going to continue to grow to be is you've got to know that the situation that you're in right now isn't a permanent situation. Amen. I'm sure that you thought that at that time, this is all I'm going to be able to do. And, I'm ra- and <laughs> you guys can't see me. I'm raising my hand with my yeah. other hand. You might have thought at, at that time that I'm never going to get past this point. In my in my walk with God, in my in my ability to on a daily basis, exactly. Yes, you you Thought you might you were basis. you were like this is it. I this is the best I can do. I'm gonna have a child. I'm you know I'm I'm married to a wonderful woman, yes. and I'm not gonna be able. This is the best I'm gonna be able to do. But God isn't wasn't done with you then. Exactly, He's not done with you now. And I think that it's important for anyone that feels like they may be going through anything like this, like what Buddy Cooper went through. And the many, many guests I'm going to have after this, I want this to be an inspiration to you to know that this isn't the end of the road. It may look like the end of the road. It may look like the bottom of the barrel. It may look like the darkest place that you can imagine. But I want Buddy Cooper and other guests I'm going to have on, I want their light that they're shining out of now. Because if you looked at Buddy Cooper right now, you wouldn't know that he went through any of that. If you looked at some of my friends that I'm going to have come on here and some of the guests that I'm going to have, if you looked at them right now, you wouldn't know at all what, they, what they've come through because mm-hmm. of the light that they're putting out now. Buddy Cooper is a light right now. He wasn't just that long ago. He yeah. wasn't. There was, no, there was no light. There was no happiness because I didn't have the joy because all I could focus on was the pain that I was going through at the time. Exactly. And so but- for anyone listening right now that thinks that you're in a place that has no end there is light there is oh there is a way you need to stay strong and stay faithful and talk like we've said today you need to talk to god in your anger talk to god in your frustration that's when he will talk back to you and let you when you're saying god why am i going through this he'll let you know he'll let you know very quickly why he what his plan is for you it's up to you at that point to be able to say okay all right, I, I think I can turn this around. And be encouraged because when when you're in those dark times, when you're in those places where you feel like every move you make is the wrong move, even those wrong moves, God is organizing for your good. Because if you're submitting to his will, he will get you out of those situations that you're in, that you yourself have got yourself into. Praise God. He'll get you out of them and he'll turn them for your refinement that make you purer than gold. He'll, he'll even even in that fire that you're going through, that you've brought on yourself or you haven't brought on yourself, but it's still purifying you. It's still making you go through those trials to make you a better Christian and to make you a better person. It's all for your betterment. So be encouraged. Take away from this one thing, if anything, if nothing else, just the one thing. Be encouraged because you're making it through. You're, you're going to live through it. It's going to make you a stronger person. It's going to make your faith stronger. And it's going to it's going to allow you to be able to later in your life use the experiences that you've gone through to give encouragement to someone else exactly. in the body of Christ. And that's why this is the Uplift Podcast. Buddy, will you give us that verse one more time, please? Yeah, Romans 8.28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are, are the call according to his purpose. Thank you. Highlight that in your Bibles. If, you're, if you've got your phone, highlight it on your, on your Bible app. Do whatever you got to do. Highlight that, please. It, uh, you, can, you can lean on that. We've been talking for an hour. I cannot believe it's been an hour. I am so thankful for Buddy to be able to come on this and be my very first guest. I told him before we even started recording that he was the first person that popped into my mind as someone I needed to, to kick this off with, and I can't think of a better way. I've definitely felt the presence of God in here. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think I'm blushing. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we did this, and I'm glad that I, I was able to reel you in here. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I, and I do thank you for the time that you um, was like able said, to I'm commit honored. to doing this with I'm us. I'm honored and I'm blessed to be able to share it, because I'll never know the extent of what my miracle will have on the other members of the body of how we're anybody who can our hear nation this. or in any of the nations around the world. Absolutely. So I'm Any, honored. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the whole reason that we're doing this. This is just for God's glory Thank and you, to sir. help God's people. I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, John Calvin and Trey Cornwell and their podcast. Please, please, please go check it out. It is amazing. It, they are doing such a good job. I probably wouldn't be doing this if, if they had not kicked off what they've got going on over there. I can't think of a better way to end it than that. Um, That'll work. This is the Uplift Podcast. There's a reason why it's called Uplift, because this is uplifting. Stay strong. Keep the faith.